You're tuned in to the MBIT podcast, led by Seamus Madan. Economic and financial topics broken down, educating you on your financial journey. Hey, everybody, welcome to the MBIT podcast in which we discuss personal finance, investing, and technology. Today, we whipped up a wonderful episode for you guys uh, discussing all the hecticness around Tesla um, with a $1.16 trillion market cap, um, the 100K Teslas uh, that Hertz ordered, and more. Um, before, we begin, uh, before we continue, make sure to subscribe to the pod so you don't miss out on future episodes. And today, we have a special guest, Sawyer Merritt, a Tesla investor and reporter who has picked up a large following over on Twitter. How's it going, Sawyer? It's going well. Yeah, it's been a busy week, but uh, obviously. But thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, indeed it has. Taking, uh, thank you for taking time to be on the pod. Um, so a uh, quick disclaimer before we begin. The podcast is not financial advice, and uh, we're both Tesla investors. So first off, Sawyer, uh, how long have you been uh, an investor in Tesla, and what initially got you interested in the company? Yeah, so I've been an investor since I think the fall of 2015 is when I first bought my share, first shares. I think it was four shares at around, I want to say $218 pre-split. So, you know, divide that by five. Um, and then I went all in in uh, September of 2018, which is right after Elon had sort of tweeted his funding secured tweet. I think it was August of 2018. So the stock was getting pretty hammered and I had been following the company for years at that point. So you know, I, I was confident in the long-term trajectory of the company. And I feel like I took some, you know, global warming classes and stuff um, in, during college, but I was already interested in sustainability as a movement really, and something that was important in my life. And I felt like Tesla's mission and values really aligned with my own. And like, to me, like, that's awesome when you can invest in something and invest in a future that you both want and believe in. And really Tesla was like the perfect fit. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I'd sort of been following the electric vehicle space for a little while, um, but it wasn't until 2015 when Model X launched. And that's when I really, really jumped into following Tesla more on a daily basis. And then, of course, the stock as well. Um, yeah, but it took a few years to quite sort of build up that strong conviction and eventually just go all in. For sure. And uh, how do you think of Tesla? Do you think of them as like an automobile manufacturer or like an energy company? I, honestly, I think it's a, a myriad of things. I think it's a manufacturing company. I think it's a technology, a software company. I think it's an auto manufacturing company. It's a whole, I sort of, I tweeted out a list, I think a few days ago, um, and it sort of gives a breakdown of each one of Tesla's like industries that they're in and sort of the subcategories as well. And what the potential like market cap could be for each of those categories. And, you know, anything from like the Tesla bot to just like the robot taxi business to their like uh, commercial energy storage business, each one of those businesses have a, have a huge long-term impact on both Tesla's um, re potential revenue streams, but also like obviously earnings as well. And I think Tesla is a quite unique company that we haven't seen really, at least in my lifetime. Yeah, I agree with you. I've seen uh, a lot of people, especially on uh, media sources, um, compare Tesla to companies like Toyota, Ford, or General Motors, but I don't think you can really do that because uh, for a couple of different reasons. So Tesla's gross profit per vehicle is like five to seven X, and the R&D spend per vehicle is two to four X, further extending their IP and tech advantage 
versus all their other competitors. Um, they also have access to more verticals, including solar, uh, energy storage, AI, ins uh, insurance, rideshare, software, as you said, yep. utilities, uh, meaning they're, they're building an energy and automobile company, and mainly uh, the big part is an ecosystem. So mm -hmm. the way I think of it is if they get the steps right along the way, they could be like the Apple of EVs and energy. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, so any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, it, a lot of people are sort of worried that Tesla, because they have, you know, they're sort of, I don't want to say they're like a monopoly because they're not yet. Um, but a lot of people are worried that they're going to be some become such a huge sort of conglomerate, similar to what Standard Oil was back in, you know, the early 1900s. And obviously, like the government broke them up um, because Standard Oil had just become too big of a, a market keeper, so, so to speak. Um, but then they broke up into, I think it was like at least 18 separate little oil companies and whatnot. Um, but obviously each of those companies went on to be, or a few of them at least, like ExxonMobil and stuff, went on to be multi-billion dollar, hundred billion dollar companies. So let, let's say you like you own Tesla stock and they were to, for whatever reason, break up Tesla into like the energy business or the auto business and, or just the software side, you would still own like, you know, your the account value wouldn't change in your account. You would just own a little bit of uh, a little bit of the software company, a little bit of the energy company. It would just break up your stock, but it wouldn't really have an impact on your value. Yeah, it's a good perspective. And to transition here and give the audience a little bit of background, um, as mentioned at the beginning, Tesla did pick up a quite a bit of traction PR-wise as they hit their one trillion dollar market cap. Um, this comes recently after the news that Hertz, a, uh, a large American car rental company, placed an order for a hundred k. Uh, Tesla Model 3s. And what's even crazier is despite the ridiculously large order size, according to Elon, Hertz didn't receive a single discount and paid full price per car, which uh, after running the math would mean it's an order size of $4.9 billion, equivalent to uh, one-fifth of all Teslas that were delivered in the entire year of uh, 2020. Although to be clear, yesterday Elon posted a tweet saying, uh, quote, I'd like to emphasize that no contracts uh, has been signed. Um, so what is the significance of the Hertz deal for Tesla, uh, assuming it passes the contract phase? Well, it, it provides a lot of validity to Tesla as a company and their products. Because if, you know, if you're a rental car company and you want to go electric, you're not going for any other company but Tesla. And I think Hertz being, the, they're not, a, you know, obviously they declared bankruptcy last year, but they pulled out of it. You know, they're not a small company and they do, have, a lot of people use them. And, you know, you're going to have a lot of people that have never even thought about maybe purchasing an electric vehicle, step into one and, you know, rent it for however long they rent it and try it out. And they, that might convince them to be like, okay, like I really want to go electric now, or like, I really like this Tesla. Um, and obviously like, you know, Elon said there is no contract, but you know, um, I'm already aware that they have already purchased thousands of Teslas already. I was speaking to a source. Um, and it's pretty incredible that they're not getting any discount, which, you know, it makes sense really for, and from that perspective, a lot of people think, well, because they're, you know, they're paying market price essentially, and there's a huge supply um, constraint that, you know, there's no need for them to really have a contract. You know, I don't know if I fully agree with that, but um, yeah, I think we're gonna see a lot of other rental companies as well sort of jump on the ship um, in the coming years. Because um, it really just, you know, once once one big market player sort of makes the move, a lot of others start to follow. Yeah, completely agree. And I know you touched on this a little bit, but what would your guess be on why the contract hasn't been signed yet? You know, I, I don't fully know. I, I'd be lying if I said I did. Um, 
I think there are probably st still a little, a few little things that they're probably trying to work out. I don't know if there's a certain date or a specific time, you know, like let's say a, a certain amount, like each month that they want delivered. I don't know. Um, and of course, I don't, I don't, I don't think sort of Hertz would like go onto the website and just order 100,000 times. That seems weird to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I find something out though, I'll definitely tweet it out because I'm sort of interested myself. For sure. And uh, Hertz are, uh, said in, uh, in the media um, just a couple of hours ago this morning that Tesla's already started delivering these cars um, despite there uh, being no contract. Um, so although they, uh, a spokesman did say that uh, they're discussing specific details of the agreement, um, but they said the company remains on plan to deliver uh, the vehicles by the end of 2022. Yeah, you know, I think... It probably makes sense for them to mostly purchase the entry level Model 3, which starts at, I believe, $44,000 right now. Um, and it's just rear wheel drive. I'm assuming, and that's that's the one vehicle that I think is pushed out all the way to August or September of 2022. And that might have been partly the reason why we saw, we're seeing those extending uh, wait times, extended wait times, um, because maybe the Hertz deal is sort of extending uh, wait times just for the entry level Model 3. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to for them to obviously Hertz said they might even uh, increase their order, which to like 150,000, 150,000 plus. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they started ordering model Y's in bulk as well. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of interesting, this sort of <laughs> the way it's sort of gone down because there's no contract signing yet. We know they've spent millions of dollars in advertising with Tom Brady and <laughs> right. social media. And it's of course, it's like the model three is all over their website. Um, yeah, but I, I, I'm hugely bullish on the deal. I think it's obviously it's been great for the stock. I don't think that's the only reason the stock's been running up, but it certainly didn't hurt. And uh, I see that you've also ordered a Tesla. How's that delivery date going? Yeah, um, I ordered, I want to say mid-August. Um, I ordered a long-range Model Y um, with the induction wheels and then metallic paint, so it's gray, essentially. Um, and it's, it's sort of been uh, stagnant, at least my delivery date was, it was around, I wanna say December. Um, and then like yesterday, it jumped to February to March of 2022. And then all of a sudden today, it's like back to November 21st to like the first week of December. So I know I, a lot of people sort of are glued to the delivery dates, estimated delivery dates in their account, but I would just encourage people to just like, the, the Tesla delivery dates are not that accurate right now, especially because they're so supply constrained. <laughs> So I would just like encourage people just not to pay any attention to those, but I'm sort of waiting for the tax credit. Um, I'm hoping that passes soon. And I think I'll just wait probably until that passes to get mine. Um, and I would love if I could, if I could get a Giga Texas Model Y, cause those will obviously be a lot better. They'll, the quality will be a lot better. Um, not that the free one want, not that the free one ones are bad. It's just like, you know, there certainly is a level of improvement that's needed. Uh, I think Giga Texas will provide. So yeah, I'm, I'm like super excited. I've been waiting for a Model Y, you know, I've been wanting to get one for years and now I finally pulled, pulled, pulled the trigger and now we're getting close. I guess your Tesla stock could technically pay for it. So yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so transitioning into earnings here. Um, last week, Tesla reported their Q3 earnings um, in which revenue soared 58% uh, year over year uh, to 12.1 billion and operating cash flow jumped 31% to 3.1 billion and net income came in at 1.6 billion, making this Tesla's ninth consecutive quarter of uh, profitability. So what is the importance of these earnings and what could it tell us about Tesla's future earnings? You know, I think in the last year or so since 
I don't want, I want to say maybe six quarters, eight quarters, they've been reporting a profit now. And, you know, just to see this company sort of go from a struggling car maker, you know, trying to ramp them all three many years ago, um, to now being a sort of earnings, I don't want to say they're a juggernaut, but it, the trajectory is just incredible. And the profitability and the margins is like one thing that really blows my mind. You know, they're one of the most profitable automakers in terms of a margin perspective of any auto mass auto manufacturer in the world. And I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. You know, as the Model X and S ramp up, we're only gonna, we're only gonna see margins improve. And I, mean, I think with such a huge supply constraint, especially in Q4, I think we're gonna see a lot of people upgrade to higher um, higher price trims to sort of get their model models quicker. Um, and obviously regulatory credits are always gonna be a discussion for the Tesla bears, but that really has no basis in reality. They're profitable without those. Um, and I was, I was really happy to see, you know, obviously Elon didn't, wasn't on the earnings call. This was his first one he hasn't been on. Uh, and, you know, I was happy to see sort of Tesla's leadership full and front, front and center. And the, the leadership that Tesla has and that Elon has sort of put together, it, they're, they're so capable, they're smart, they're knowledgeable. And, you know, I, they have a diverse um, set of thinking that I think is important. And Zachary Kirkhorn, you know, he's just, he's so young, but yet he's just so capable and so smart. And that, that guy is just incredible. Um, so yeah, I was really impressed with the earnings. I'm really, really impressed with the whole management team as a whole. And I, I think they performed beautiful. Yeah, it's great also that you mentioned that Elon wasn't uh, on stage for the earnings call. At least my take on it is that they don't seem to uh, need Elon as much to ensure investors that the stock will be okay. Um, but what, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think Elon, his, his time is so valuable. And as, a, as an investor, you know, I think we're, we're past the point where we need him to be on the earnings calls. Yes, as a, as a fan, I, you know, I love Elon and I want him, I like, I love the fanfare of him coming on the earnings calls and what's he going to say next. And he sort of hypes things up really well, which I love. Um, and he, he just has great perspectives on, on things, but you know, I think he can, uh, there, there's, there's a better way to spend his time and that is not on an earnings call. You know, Tesla's, Tesla's management team can handle that. No problem. And I think, you know, from a wall street perspective, they probably prefer that because I think there's a, probably a lot less volatility coming out of the earnings call than there otherwise would be if Elon were on it. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's honestly a bullish sign, you know, Jeff Bezos didn't really participate in earning uh, Amazon earnings calls either. So this is certainly isn't unprecedented. Um, and I'm, I'm completely fine with it. I know a lot of people think it's a negative thing, but I'm perfectly, I'm fine with it. No, I agree. I also think it's a sign that the business is starting to mature a bit from yeah. its uh, early seed stages and start growing it out. Um, but uh, now talking, talking about Elon a little bit more, mainly when people invest in Tesla, they're also investing in Elon's ability to grow and scale uh, the business. So on the contrary, billionaire investor Warren Buffett has quoted, uh, I always invest in companies that an idiot can run because one day one will. Um, so how much do you think Tesla's growth long-term depends on Elon? And is that a vulnerability? You know, I, I think they've been quite synced, um, obviously in recent years, sort of. But, you know, I, I, I like to have, sort of have the Apple and Steve Jobs analogy, where a lot of people thought, you know, when Steve Jobs died and Tim Cook became the CEO, that Apple would sort of be screwed. But Tim Cook was a more than capable person and an incredible operations guy. He was he was 
he was the head of operations and he that's that's what he knows how to do and apple apple's operations and supply chain management is nothing short of incredible and you know i think as as the years go on the the need for um, Elon to be more and more involved um, won't be as important. And I, I don't expect Elon to really be the CEO of Tesla beyond this decade. I think his heart and he, his, you know, interest is really in SpaceX. I, I think that's where most, I think that's probably where he spent most of his time at this point. And I, I mean, I don't blame him. It's an exciting mission and it's, you know, cutting edge technology and it's a private company. There's a lot of stresses that come along with being a public company that SpaceX doesn't have to deal with as of right now it is. Um, and, you know, as of, as Elon has said, you know, 95% of his personal and professional pain has come from Tesla. And I fully believe that, especially with all the stories, you know, he was sleeping on the model, on the factory floor during the Model 3 ramp, you know, uh, long hours, you know, you could sort of his, I remember him talking about how his family was worried about him. And, you know, I think as time goes on, he'll want to sort of pass the baton on to someone else in the Tesla management. I don't know who that will be. Um, we'll have to see how, you know, the management sort of performs over the coming years. Um, but I think Tesla investors should prepare for Elon to eventually leave. He's not going to be there forever and nor should he, you know, I think it's important uh, what he's doing at SpaceX and um, full disclosure, I'm a SpaceX investor or our family is for that matter. Um, and it's an exciting mission, you know, and it will be curious to see, you know, if SpaceX ever goes public, we'll see. Um, but I think Elon probably wants to keep SpaceX private as, as long as he can. Yeah, it would be nice for them to go public. Uh, I don't think that will happen, though, at least not for a while. Um, although, uh, speaking of SpaceX, they were valued at a $100 billion uh, private uh, market valuation, which isn't technically the same as a public valuation. Um, but it's so you can't directly compare it to public companies. Um, but if you just take a look at the valuation, it's more than 16 times that of uh, Virgin Galactic. You know, I, I think the potential for Starlink is really underappreciated. And I don't believe the valuation for SpaceX is like, you know, completely overblown. Um, there certainly is a long-term um, question of how prop, what, what is, where does the profit come from of going to Mars? Because obviously the, that's going to take a massive amount of capital. Um, some people have brought up, you know, anything, anything from like space mining to um, just continuing to do government contracts. But I think most of the money will probably come from Starlink. Um, obviously, there are probably things that SpaceX will do that we just haven't thought of yet. And, you know, that's sort of something that um, Tesla does as well with the Tesla bot. We weren't really expecting that. Um, but you can't really compare Virgin Galactic and SpaceX because Virgin Galactic is more of their mission is more just to bring people to space for a, from a tourism perspective. Um, whereas I think Elon's mission with SpaceX is a little bit more intertwined with, I think, humanity as a whole and sort of, you know, extending the light of consciousness, as he likes to say. And, you know, I think that's important. We shouldn't put all of our eggs in one basket here on Earth. Obviously, we want to protect Earth as much as possible and take care of it. But in the event that something crazy happens, you know, you know it's not terrible to have a backup plan, as he says. Um, yeah, but, I, you know, I'm bullish long term on SpaceX. I think, you know, Starlink will probably go public to, in two to three years, as Elon has, as Elon has said. Um, and they're going to need that because without that, I don't think they're going to want to have just Elon sort of fund all all the um, all the missions. The government contracts alone can't do that. Um, not, they're not nearly enough. 
and Starlink will be a huge driver of that. Yeah, I think space, as you mentioned, SpaceX, they want to build a habitable environment on another planet, in this case, Mars. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess when you take a look at it from that perspective, it does make sense um, because uh, why it's valued so much more than Virgin Galactic, because they're two separate companies trying to do two different things. They're mm -hmm. in the same field, but their uh, missions and objectives are different. Yeah, exactly. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the MBIT podcast. And thank you, uh, Sawyer, for taking some time to be on the pod. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Follow the pod so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you enjoyed the episode, it would mean a lot if you guys could drop a five-star review down below. If you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give uh, Sawyer Merritt a follow on Twitter. And uh, I'll see you in the next episode.